Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Ethan Klesine with the Goal to Go podcast coming at you today, this Friday, the 11th of June, with some NFL transaction news. Um, a trade of one of the premier players of the last decade went down a few days ago uh, and wanted to cover it for you today. Uh, I didn't get to it earlier in the week uh, or last week when it occurred. If you remember, based off my last episode, I was out of town on vacation uh, for about seven to eight days. So I wasn't able to record anything when this transaction occurred. But still wanted to get to you guys today or at least this week since it's a pretty significant trade and impacts a lot of people around the league. All right, so let's get into it, and if any of you are plugged in even remotely to what's going on around the league, I'm sure you have already heard about what went down. Uh, NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reported that the Atlanta Falcons have agreed to send their star wide receiver Julio Jones to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, The Falcons sent Julio um, as well as a 2023 six-rounder. Uh, in exchange for a 2022 second rounder and a 2023 fourth rounder. Now, the big note there in the compensation for Atlanta is that no first rounder was involved. The Titans got this for a second and a fourth rounder. There was some speculation leading up to this, whether it would take a first rounder to take Julio away from Atlanta. Uh, But no, it seems like it was just a second rounder at the most. Uh, You can make a case for why that is based off of uh, Julio coming off an injury ravaged 2020 season, as well as him entering into his age 32 season in 2021. So Tennessee Titans end up getting Julio Jones for just a second and fourth rounder. Now, the writing was on the wall for this trade. I think I mentioned in a couple of episodes now that the Falcons have been in salary cap hell uh, since the season ended. Uh, They were severely under the cap prior to this trade, uh, so much so that they weren't even able to sign their own draft class yet. They didn't have the money in-house. And as if having limited resources weren't trouble enough yet for Atlanta, uh, Julio appeared on Fox Sports 1's Undisputed. I'm sure some of you have seen that with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. And on that episode, Shannon Sharp had given Julio a call on air, um, gave him an impromptu call, and asked him about his status in Atlanta. And Jones, whether he knew he was being recorded on live TV or not, he responded with, no, I'm out of there. So with these two things being in place, it seemed almost inevitable that Julio was going to be playing elsewhere in 2021. Now, after that occurrence on Fox Sports 1, uh, trade rumors started circulating around the league regarding interest for Julio Jones. Teams like uh, New England, San Francisco, Las Vegas, and both of the Los Angeles teams as well were all rumored to have had an interest in the veteran star Ultimately, Jones landed in the AFC South with the Tennessee Titans. Now, I see how both of these teams benefited, at least in the near term. It's to be determined on how they both will benefit in the long term. Uh, But the immediate benefits, obviously, for the Falcons, they get out of the salary cap hole that they were in. And they receive some draft picks for an aging star who has had some injury ailments throughout the course of his career. Um, and decent uh, draft compensation at that in a second rounder and a fourth rounder. And then the Titans, they get a veteran star receiver to pair with quarterback Ryan Tannehill, as well as dynamic young stud A.J. Brown, though they do have to take on his contract in order to do so. Now, that may have been a reason why 
a deal with one of those other teams I just mentioned prior did not get done since Julio has three years left on that mega deal he signed a couple of years ago. Now, I'm not that concerned for Tennessee taking on Julio's contract. I think it's understandable for a lot of these teams when they're thinking about taking on one of these veterans uh, that had that is on a mega contract that they signed a few years prior. It, it makes sense why they would be hesitant to do so. But if you look at if you look at Julio's contract and actually look at the figures, the money it, it's not as big of a deal as at least the media is making it out to be. Uh, with three years left, uh, 2021, 22, and 23, he is set to make $15 million in 2021. Now, that, that seems like a lot, right? But if you look at the numbers that other receivers get, are getting in comparison, you would feel okay with taking on, at least I do, with taking on Julio at his current price. $15 million, that's less than guys like Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and Odell Beckham Jr. Now, outside of Keenan Allen, maybe... I think I'd want Julio over all those guys. Uh, $15 million is not that big of a deal, I don't think, when you look at the other receivers in that range. And then we go to 2022 and 2023. In both those years, he's set to make $11.5 million. He's not even in the top 15 of wide receivers in those two years. So making a big shtick about Julio's contract entering next season, it, it doesn't really seem like a big issue to me. It, it, it seems like if he were to be willing to play on this current contract, I feel like you're getting him at a discount because over the course of the next couple of years, you're going to have Devontae Adams signing a new contract and some of these other younger younger receivers that are going to be resetting the market and then $15 million and $11.5 million aren't going to seem like you know huge money figures. Now, that's not the big issue. The current money isn't the big issue. What I think may be scaring teams away or did scare teams away from signing Julio or trading for Julio is that there's a rumor that Julio wants new money in a new contract. And that makes a little more sense as to why teams are hesitant because he is an aging veteran. And I don't necessarily think he's done with. I don't think he's uh, in the twilight of his career. And I'll get into reasons why a little bit later on. But at age 32, you know, you could make the case that his prime is past and is behind him. And maybe you don't really want to sign him to a new mega deal uh, for a veteran star that maybe his best days are behind him. Now, if that is the case, then the Titans don't seem to be too adverse to giving Julio a new contract. Uh, but money aside, let's actually dive into what this means uh, for both teams. Now, for the Titans, I personally love this for the Titans. I think you're putting Jones, who has been one of the best receivers uh, of the 2010s, he's in the top three, if not the best receiver of the last decade or so, you're putting him with one of the league's most proficient downfield passers in Ryan Tannehill. We know when Ryan Tannehill came over from Miami, there was kind of a stink on him because he didn't really make... Um, he didn't make his money's worth when Miami drafted him in the first round after playing there for you know over five years. He didn't seem to be the guy, so he came to Tennessee as a backup behind Marcus Mariota, and then the rest is history. Marcus Mariota gets uh, benched, Ryan Tannehill gets thrown into the lineup, and then Tannehill becomes one of the best downfield passers uh, the next two years after that. So you're putting Jones with one of the league's most proficient downfield passers in Ryan Tannehill, and then you're also forming one of the best 
receiving duos in the league uh, by matching him with A.J. Brown. I don't feel like I have to go into much detail about A.J. Brown. I've been pounding the table uh, episode after episode, I feel like, uh, for A.J. Brown and how prolific of a receiver he is. But you're pairing them together. I think this makes Tennessee one of the best offensive units in football. And as far as his age is concerned, uh, people are going to point that he is 32, he's been injury-plagued throughout his entire career, and he's coming off of a season where he missed nine games. I think that's merely just a, a, a coincidence that, you know, as he's entering his thirty, his age 30 seasons, um, that he just missed a significant, significant amount of time. I don't think this means that he is done. In the last seven seasons, he hasn't topped 1,400 receiving yards just twice. And that was last year as well as 2019 when he posted 1,394, just six yards away from 1,400. So it's not like he's not putting up all pro numbers because 1,400 receiving yards in, in what, five of the last seven seasons and in one of those seasons he didn't, he just missed it by six yards. Those are all pro numbers. It's not like he is not outputting the kind of production that you would want out of a, out of a top target. On top of that, Julio's been thought of as an injury-prone guy his entire career, uh, but he's played 13 or more games every season in his 10-year career except for two years, and that was last year in 2020 and then 2013. Every other year besides that, he has played 13 or more games, not including the playoffs, where he has made every single game, he has played every single game that the Falcons have made uh, when they were in the playoffs. To me, I think he's thought of as an injury-prone guy because every single week he seems to be on the injury report dealing with you know, foot soreness or a hamstring strain or something, and he doesn't practice until Friday, and then he gets out and you know uh, plays in the game on Sunday. He's been doing that since like 2015, guys. And sure, it is annoying, especially as a fantasy owner. I personally have dealt with this. Uh, seeing the injury reports with Julio not at practice, it is it is obnoxious to see him on the injury report consistently. But that at, at this point, that's just that's just who he is. He's gonna miss some time. He's not going to at, miss some time in practice. He's not gonna be there for Wednesday or Thursday. He may be limited on Friday, but at least he's suiting up a little bit. And then he's gonna play on Sunday. So it, it's not like he is missing seven to eight games each and every year. No, he is playing a majority of his games. He's just dealing with a couple of boo-boos here and there. I think ultimately the reason that Atlanta decided to get rid of Julio Jones is just with the emergence of Calvin Ridley. Don't think it has anything to do with his production or his injury history because as I just explained, I think both of those are just fine. I think they're better than fine. But when Calvin Ridley is burst onto the scene as one of the league's top playmakers, I think that's that's what made Atlanta okay with signing off on sending Julio elsewhere. Uh, because of the cap problem and just because uh, Calvin Ridley is in-house. And then you get to you still get to pair Calvin Ridley with Kyle Pitts. Julio still performs when he's healthy. I don't think that was a driving factor in Atlanta's decision. Now, is it tougher to keep him healthy as he gets older? I mean, of course. But that doesn't mean it isn't possible and can't be done. You can say on any given Sunday that a guy is going to get hurt. Joe Burrow was a rookie last year and he tore his ACL. Like any guy on any given Sunday when he's on the field, he can get hurt. I just don't think that's a good excuse uh, for why you should trade a guy or not go after a guy because he's been hurt here and there. Um, personally, I think bigger concerns for Tennessee um, isn't Julio's injury history, but whether or not they can still be proficient without Arthur Smith calling plays. 
Uh, if you guys remember, as I just explained earlier, Ryan Tannehill had his career uh, revived when he arrived in Nashville. That was kind of tough. Revived, then arrived. Um, he had his career revived when he arrived in Nashville and matched with Arthur Smith um, and became one of the best downfield throwers in the game. Uh, together, both of them, along with A.J. Brown, they led the Titans to a conference title game just 17 months ago. All of this success that Arthur Smith had in Tennessee eventually led, of course, to a head coaching job in Atlanta, oddly enough. I think that's kind of why, you know, this deal went down in the first place is just because Tennessee and Atlanta have this weird relationship just because Arthur Smith is now the head coach of Atlanta. Um, So now with Smith in Atlanta, head coach, uh, Tennessee head coach Mike Vrabel, he has promoted offensive line coach Todd Downing to the offensive coordinator position to call plays. Now, can Todd Downing replicate Arthur Smith's success? Um, that's a discussion for another day. My initial assumption would be no. Arthur Smith did some pretty great things in uh, Tennessee, but um, we we don't know until we hit the field in 2021. Uh, I just think that that is a bigger que- question to me than whether Julio Jones is still a premier player this at this stage in his career. Um, I think Julio Jones has other benefits as well for Tennessee. I think it lessens the load on Derrick Henry, uh, uh, especially since Derrick Henry, you know, he's just coming off of a 2,000-yard uh, season, and he's come, and he's also coming off back-to-back 300-plus carry campaigns in 2019 and 2020. And if there's anything that we've learned from, you know, who was the uh, Dallas Cowboys running back, um, uh, DeMarco Murray, when DeMarco Murray had that 350 plus carry year where he led the league in rushing and was just an all pro, um, you really want to limit the amount of carries and the amount of uh, uh, wear and tear that you're giving on these guys or putting on these guys. Shortly thereafter, DeMarco Murray went to Philadelphia and then his career kind of just fizzled out. So with Derrick Henry running for 2000 yards and coming off of these, you know, humongous volumes uh, of, um, of load, like you need to lessen that and dial it back if you hope to preserve Derrick Henry for the long haul. I think Julio Jones will do that. He's going to reduce the amount of eight man boxes that Henry should face next season. And because there's no way defenses can, you know, stock up the box in order to stop um, Derrick Henry and also protect downfield for Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. It's really a pick your poison kind of offense, something that Julio even alluded to earlier this week um, at OTAs. From a divisional perspective, I think this evens the playing field with the Indianapolis Colts a bit more for Tennessee. Following free agency and the draft, I personally thought that the Titans got worse at least on offense. They lost Arthur Smith, of course. They lost John U. Smith in free agency to the New England Patriots. And then they also lost fellow wide receiver Corey Davis to the New York Jets in uh, free agency as well without bringing in anybody of significance. They did bring in Josh Reynolds, uh, the Los Angeles Ram receiver from last year. Um, But Josh Reynolds has been a wide receiver three for most of his career that if you were going to make the argument that, hey, A.J. Brown can be wide receiver one and Josh Reynolds can be wide receiver two, I'd be hard-pressed to say, okay, this isn't going to be an offense built around A.J. Brown. Until proven otherwise, I I don't really think that Josh Reynolds... Uh, is a guy that can go into uh, that can come into an offense and really command a lot of the target share there. So without them bringing in anybody of major significance, I thought that Indy made a big leap uh, over Tennessee as the uh, divisional favorite. You know, at least in June. <laughs> no, it's still very early in the offseason. 
Now, if Carson Wentz can be what Indy wants for them, I'd put them ahead of Tennessee, you know, at like a midseason rankings or something like that. Um, but at this point, you know, in the summer, like I said, uh, being early in the offseason, with the QB very, being very much an unknown for the Colts, uh, I think it's safe to say that both the Colts and the Titans are pretty much equal entering the 2021 season. Um, and I think that's that's all we really need to consider for the AFC South. It's a virtual two-man race in this division. Until Trevor Lawrence shows that he can be the guy in Jacksonville, uh, the Jaguars are still a non-contender. And I think Houston is really just trying to keep their head above water at this point with all of the issues that they're facing uh, down there. Um, now let's real quick move over to the Atlanta side. Uh, not too much to say about them. I think it sucks for the fans uh, this trade does. It would have been real fun to see this offense with Julio Ridley and first-round pick Kyle Pitts. It did solve, this trade did solve the cap problem. But I'm hard-pressed to think that, you know, the general manager, who's the guy? Uh, Terry Fontenew. He's the guy that just came over from New Orleans. I'm hard-pressed to think that Terry Fontenew could not think of another way to get under the cap as well as keeping Julio Jones on the active roster. I feel like being fans of the NFL guys, I feel like we don't fully grasp the whole concept of the salary cap, right? Like, I understand it a little bit, but I mean, shoot, it's still confusing for me between guaranteed money and um, avoided money and, you know, signing bonuses and a bunch of other things. It's it's hard to kind of, you know, grasp and just conceptualize. I think it's easy for general managers to say, hey, we needed the money. That's why we had to trade Julio Jones. But from observations that I've made over the last couple of years, I feel like teams have been making transactions while still in cap trouble. Let's just take either, I think it was either a year ago or two years ago, that the Seattle Seahawks were in a similar situation, yet they still found a way to trade and pay for Jamal Adams with the New York Jets. You know, Jamal Adams had that whole, um, you know, he had a falling out with New York. Uh, he wanted to get paid, like, um, when he was only, like, two or three years into his five-year rookie deal. Um, and New York just thought he was a bigger headache than he was worth, so they decided to trade him. So Seattle took on Jamal Adams knowing that he was going to want a new contract. They traded for him, and they paid him top safety money, even though they were in a salary cap hole similar to the way that Atlanta was in this season. So it's not that teams can't do it. I think that there's a lack of willingness to do some of these trades, and maybe it's because, like I mentioned, uh, he's 32, um, and you know, Calvin Ridley has kind of shown that he can be the guy and has put up monstrous numbers over the course of his very early and young career. So because of this, I wanted to do a little bit of research. I went on to overthecap.com and I wanted to look at some of Atlanta's highest paid players just to see like what the cap hits were for 2021. Now, what I found was, uh, Grady Jarrett and Dante Fowler Jr. Those are both defensive linemen. Um, and also, to be fair, they're quite good. Individually, Those like both of those guys, they're very good players. Um, but Atlanta had a terrible defense last year. And I'm not saying it's on a two defensive linemen for the defense being a complete train wreck, but they are responsible for some of that blame, and they have to shoulder some of it. Now, with that being said, they both carry a cap hit, Grady Jarrett, of $20.8 million in 2021, and then Dante Fowler Jr. of $10.6 million. That's over $31 million in cap hits in 2021 for two defensive linemen. Call me crazy, y'all. 
but I can't I can't see why the salaries of two defensive linemen can't be restructured in order to preserve the best playmaker of the last decade for the Atlanta Falcons. Are they going to be upset about it? You know, being called into the general manager's office and having to sit down and talk about their contract and how they need to, you know, maybe just push some of the money off into 2022 and 2023 in order to keep Julio. Sure, they're probably not going to be too happy about it because you're messing with their money. But what's more important? Keeping these two guys happy or just keeping Julio Jones? In my in my opinion, it's a no-brainer. You want to keep the premier playmaker that you've had on your roster for the last 10 years. But, you know, that's that's just my take. And maybe I am missing something. Maybe I don't know everything about this over, you know, this cap situation. But it seems like there could have been some restructuring of contracts. You want another example? When Tennessee traded for Julio... They restructured Ryan Tannehill's contract and they pushed some of his money off to to uh, future years. So it's not like it can't be done. I just think there's a lack of willingness to do it. I don't know. It is what it is, those guys. Um, but that's it. Julio Jones is now a Tennessee Titan. He is in the AFC South, matched up, I think, with a quarterback that is perfect for his skill set, as well as another dynamic receiver who is still getting better and growing. I think Tennessee, you know, they've been watchable and they've been a fun team to kind of, uh, you know, turn the TV on for over the last couple of years since Ryan Tannehill kind of burst onto the scene. um, I think they're even more watchable now. I mean, think about the think about the offense. Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, uh, Derrick Henry toting the rock after he was just the league uh, the league rushing leader, and then um, and then Julio Jones and AJ Brown on the outside. To me, that is an offense that I want to watch every single week. Put a stamp on it because uh, it's um, that's something that I approve of. All right, guys, uh, that's it for today. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, this week's shorts. You can tell that I've taken a couple of weeks off from doing these shorts as uh, I am at 22 minutes right now. So um, we will try to improve as always, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Stay safe. Mask when necessary. And maybe I need to change that because things are lessening. So let me change. Let me change that right now on the spot. Um, Get vaccinated, people. Let's let's stop not trusting the science. Go get a vaccine. Learn to help out your fellow man. You're going to be okay. We'll we'll all survive. We'll all get through it together. So uh, go get vaccinated. Stay safe. And remember to show compassion and kindness to those around you. You never know what someone may be going through. I'm Ethan Klesine, signing off. Until next time.